it's that time of year when head coaching jobs come open. So I decided to pull this one out of the archives with Ohio High School Hall of Fame coach Tom McDaniels. He's joined us on the podcast several times. This is one that had not been migrated over from the archives, and I think it's very timely right now. There's a lot to take away here, whether you're a head coach now or want to be one in the future. So enjoy the listen. Welcome to the Coaching Coordinator Podcast. I am honored and privileged to be joined today by an Ohio coaching legend, Tom McDaniels, who is now retired. He had a 40-year coaching career, made stops at Warren G. Harding, Camp McKinley, Massillon Jackson High School, all football powerhouses here in Ohio, and just did an outstanding job winning the National High School Football Coach of the Year. From USA to Day, he led his Camp McKinley team to state and national titles, and he's also the father of a couple notable guys. One is the quarterback's coach at Michigan, Ben McDaniels, and the other is the offensive coordinator for the Patriots, Josh McDaniels. So, Coach, I'm really excited to have you back on the podcast again. And I'm really excited to be with you again. Coach, this topic we're going to talk about, I saw, I think you, you were tweeting about it, that you're going to talk to a group of guys at Mountain Union Coach Karras brought you in, and this was for athletes who weren't coaches but were interested in coaching. And, you know, as you shared a couple of the points about it, I said, wow, that would be great to share those ideas on the podcast because obviously you have a lot of experience over the years. I know you continue to study the game, and uh, very exciting for you to be able to, to study uh, one of the best teams ever in football. So I'm really interested to hear what you had to share with these guys. And I guess if you could start, you know, what was the, the general overview or the topic that you wanted to discuss with them? What you see on tape is a direct reflection of what you teach and how you teach. Video is important, but if you don't teach well, you're not going to like what you see on your video. First Down Playbook has been helping coaches teach better for 13 years. It allows you to present installs, playbooks, and practice cards in half the time with NFL quality. Coaching tools like video pairing, a player app, practice schedules, and wristband sheets have made First Down Playbook a program management system with everything in one place. If you're in a position of leadership with your football program, receive a free one-week look at First Down Playbook. Call them at 512-814-6158 or visit them on their website or social media. Mention Coach and Coordinator Podcast, or use the coupon code COACH24 to receive a $100 discount off the normal $700 First Down Playbook team membership price. Links and the phone number are in the show notes. As coaches, we know that some of the biggest hurdles to our team's success can come from off the field. Your team needs support to tackle the endless list of expenses, uniforms, training equipment, travel, and more. But raising that money can feel like a full-time job. Thankfully, there's Vertical Raise. Vertical Raise is the premier online fundraising platform using innovative technology to create the easiest and most efficient system available. Raise more money in less time with a local fundraising coach who works with your team every step of the way to customize the ideal fundraiser. With options for online donations, 
digital discount cards, premium product sales, and even spirit shops, Vertical Rays has top-of-the-line solutions for every fundraising style. To find out more, visit verticalrays.com and we'll get you connected with an exclusive offer on your first fundraiser. The topic was transitioning from an assistant coach to a head coach. And, and I'm, I'm speaking to a group of athletes, most of whom were football players, but some were, were participants in other sports. You know, so they hadn't even begun their coaching careers. They were active players, but they, they were in a coaching class, you know, in, in hopes of eventually getting into the profession. And so I thought it was important, you know, at, at the very beginning, actually before the beginning of their careers, to understand that, that once you get into this, you know, at some point in your your coaching life, you, you might want to transition from being an assistant coach to a head coach. And so I put some things down on paper, and, and these were just suggestions or thoughts that I had about, about how you do that, how you transition, you know, from being an assistant to a head coach. And, and I started by telling them that, number one, you got to be great at the job you have to get the job you want. So, so whether you're a ninth grade coach or a JV coach in high school or a graduate assistant or a a quality control guy or a coaching assistant, it, it doesn't matter, you know, what that title happens to be as an entry level coach. If you have any, any thoughts whatsoever about someday being a head coach, you, you start by being great at the job that you have at that moment in time. And, and, and as you work your way through your coaching experience, you, you know, if you're a freshman coach one year and, you know, they move you up to uh, being a position coach in the varsity the next year, it probably happened because you were great as a ninth grade coach. And once you get any kind of a promotion, then you have to determine to be great at the new job that you have in, in order to, to can you continue to advance. So, you know, that was point number one. And uh, one of the things that I told them, if, in most instances, we head coaches have assessment forms that, that we use to evaluate our assistant coaches. And, and the first thing they needed to do is they needed to know you know, what were the things that were listed on that assessment form? You know, that's like having the answers to the test before you take the test. And, and whatever the coach has listed in, in his evaluation form for you, you know, that was, you know, that, that was your lesson plan. Those were the things that you needed to attempt to be uh, great at in, in order to be, you know, a great assistant coach in whatever capacity you were serving. And so, so that's sort of where it started. And then it, it went to some other areas. We are you know, in an age where information is, is easy to get, right? I can remember, and I was just talking to, to someone yesterday about this, you know, the, the coaching clinics, and that was pretty much where you were going to get your information. And then, you know, Coach's Choice came along and some of those other ones, you could get some DVDs and books, but now it's, I mean, it's at your fingertips all the time, you know, and I think I see a lot of young coaches wanting to try to prove how much they know, but, I think you'll agree with this is as a head coach of a football program, when you're evaluating guys who are your junior high coaches or uh, your freshman coaches, uh, even some of the guys who are JV coaches, you're really looking at not just how well they know the game, but that relationship as well. Like, and it, it's a, it's a tough one because usually these are younger guys. And so you want to see that they, they know how to draw that line, but at the same time, they're not guys who are out there just yelling at kids either. It's, and I think probably younger coaches have that. That's a little bit more difficult 
for them than, than coaches who have been in, in it for a while, who have figured it out and really become comfortable just coaching. Right, right. And, and, and I'll respond to that two different ways. I'm, I'm taking a look at the, the assistant coach assessment form, you know, that I used, and, and there were 17 different areas, you know, but, but number one began with loyalty to the head coach in the program. And, and uh, I, I think that that's where it begins. And, and then, you know, between the number one item and the 17th item, you know, there are an awful lot of other things that, that are listed here. The ability to motivate players, you know, your intensity and dedication to coaching and the present assignment, your in-season and out-of-season involvement and commitment to the program, your willingness to attend clinics and seek professional growth. You know, there's, there's a whole bunch of stuff, and, and I haven't mentioned an X or an O in, in any of those things yet, but I, 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 think, that, I think that you have to know you know, what, what the guy you're working for expects from you, and then you need to deliver on, on, on whatever set of standards that, you know, that, that guy has for you. And, and the, the second part of this next response on, on my part is that, you know, you, you got to be a student of the game. And, you know, for, for me, that meant, you know, not just going to clinics, and I didn't always have internet, you know, football information available to me, but it meant, you know, going to bowl practice and going to spring practice. Not necessarily at clinic time. There's too many people, and there's you know not not much availability to coaches during clinic times. But but I always visited three places every year. I wasn't necessarily compensated for my travel or my hotel, but but I knew that 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 I wanted to get better at this. And you know, one of the ways to learn was to expose myself to different people, you know, uh, at, at different at different seasons of the year. And and so I did that a lot. Um, and one of the things that, that I, I really believe in too, and this is more X and O specific, is that I, I think, you know, as a young coach, you got to become multidimensional and not one dimensional. And, and by, by that, I mean that you need to major in one position. And for me, that was quarterbacks. And, and while I was doing that, I was minoring in another, and that was DBs. So, so as a as a young as a young head football coach, I wasn't going to try to learn the whole game, you, you know, in in my first year. But I was going to try to get, you know, as knowledgeable as I could and learn way more than I already knew relative, you know, to quarterback play and and how you went about coaching that and and DB play and and how you you know go about doing that. And and once I felt like I had, you know, developed myself, you know, to to some level of proficiency in that regard. Then it was time to become a double major, and at that particular point, I turned my attention to O-line play and D-line play. You know, I was a, a quarterback as a player, very average at best, but but I knew most about that one. But I needed to expand, in, you know, my base knowledge of you know both sides of the ball. And then another, you know, specific suggestion there also is, you know, I think you need to become an expert in one phase of the kicking game. And as soon as you, you know, reach not necessarily expert level, but, but a level of expertise, then you need to expand that into another area of the kicking game and then another area of the kicking game. For me, you know, I, I, I decided that I'm going to learn everything I can about, about the holder's job and responsibility and extra points and points after kick. Uh, and then I expanded that. My, my sons were kickers, so I took them to Dick Pierce kicking camps wherever they were and and while the kids were being coached, I was I was being coached too. So, uh, you know, th- those are a couple of ways that, that I I think that that assistants might begin 
to develop themselves in, to at some point in time transitioning from an assistant coach to a head coach. And, uh, you know, we can take this wherever you want to, but, you know, there's much more for me to share. Well, absolutely, Coach. And, you know, what I've seen more and more of today, and, you know, just thinking back to when I was coaching at, at BW, and I remember having, a, you know, a younger offensive line coach. I mean, he was only a few years out of college. And that's all he really knew about the game was offensive line play. He was an offensive lineman in college. Then he went on to, you know, be a, a GA. And, you know, he was in his first full-time job with us. And he really didn't know the other phases of the game. And I can remember, you know, it's, I think it's one of the things just at the time, at least, you know, you were, if you were coaching high school ball, you were coaching on both sides of the football. So I kind of, grew up the same way as you learning, you know, two at a time and, and then learning others. And, and by the time I, I made the move to college, I had coached every position on the field. And, you know, that was, I think it was what, 20, 19, 20 years of coaching before college, going to college ball uh, and then went to college and it was, you know, again, one position. So, but I benefited from it. I really learned, you know, a lot about the game from, Focusing, yes, initially on this is my main thing, but also, like you said, minoring in other things and then expanding that. And I guess, you know, I see, I think it's a mistake. I don't know how you feel about it. I see too many guys, I think, who just specialize and try to build their niche around that one thing. I I would agree with you, and I would discourage people from doing that. It's like I said, you know, major in something and minor in another, and then when you feel proficient, move on and Let's, let's become a double major. And, and one thing that, that you may not realize, you know, when you're a young assistant coach that, you know, maybe you're comfortable with O-line because that's what you played. It's really important, you know, to, to, be, to be multidimensional as, as soon as you can because as a head coach, you have to coach the coaches. And, and it's difficult to coach the coaches if you're stuck on being pretty knowledgeable about quarterbacks, but having no clue about, you know, D-line play or secondary play or O-line play or receiver play, I, you know, I, I think your whole coaching life, you know, you're, you're supposed to continue to, you know, look for a new thing to major in and look for a new thing to minor in. Because at some point in time, especially if you, if, if you become a head coach, and you've got young guys working for you, you've got to coach those guys too. And I, I will say, I know there's situations where teams are to platoon, and so you don't have that opportunity. But I could say, just thinking about some things we did at the college level, like I said, where I'm coaching one position, and probably my favorite part of the, the game week as far as the planning is, once we kind of got our, our game plan together, we would go and hang out for a couple hours with the defensive staff and talk about the things we were seeing. And, you know, a lot of times you watch these teams over the course of the year and you've, you've seen them in other games and share that information and learn about, you know, why they're doing certain things, learn about different techniques they might be using. And it was, you know, it was a, a clinic within the season. I mean, it was definitely directed. We were looking for a certain outcome of it. But, you know, that learning during the season and just crossing over the other side of the ball to get – their perspective on it. If, if you don't have the opportunity, as you've been saying, to, to major or double major or minor in some things, that, that would be a way to, to, I guess, bridge that gap. There's, there's no question about that. I, I, I always saw myself as the offensive coordinator, you know, with any, 
any team that I served as the head coach, and I always had a defensive coordinator, and, and I gave him full responsibility. But one of the things that I thought that we did really well is, is I had no issue with going into the other room and presenting a question to them, you know, about, okay, which, which thing that I'm considering or which formation or, or whatever it was that I was talking about offensively, which gives you more trouble, which, which is a more difficult preparation for you. And I was teaching those guys to do the same thing. You know, as, as they plan for an opponent, you know, it would it would be normal and common for them to stick their head in and say, coach, now as an offensive guy, you know, you know, is this is this pose a, a, a more difficult you know situation for you or does this? So what you're talking about is the same thing that I'm talking about. I, I think, you, you know, you, you can't wait for the offseason. I think that you can learn and, and, you know, get the beginnings of that next major and the next minor, you know, with the people on your own staff, you know, during the season. Coach, what was the next point that you shared with this group of young men? I talked about, well, well, how do you, you know, be great at the job you're in right now in order to, you know, advance and, and, and move up the coaching ladders is, you know, I was, I was a big reader and, and, you know, I've got more bookcases in my home that have nothing but coaching books in them. And my wife's, you know, wanting me to, you know, to get rid of the bookcases and, you know, she wants me to store the books and I'm reluctant to do that. But, but I was a big reader. I was a big clinic guy. And when I went, I didn't hang out in the bar. I usually sat in the first row on the center aisle or the second row on the center aisle. And there are people that may be listening to this podcast that will will remember or recognize or they'll they'll you know they'll agree with that that that's that's where I saw Tom McDaniels. I went to bowl practice, I went to spring practice, and then and we move into the more current era. I'm an American Football Monthly. When it was a magazine, I was a subscriber. I was a Gridiron Strategy subscriber. I was an X and O's Reports subscriber. And I'm a Twitter guy now because of what I learned about coaching and because of football. So I, I, I think that, you know, that's, those are other ways to expand your knowledge and, and grow as a football coach. Coach, what's the, the favorite book that's sitting on your shelf? I know this is a tough one. I mean, I, I collect old coaching books too. And my one that's jumped to the top for me recently, finally was able to pick it up. I couldn't believe I found it for $20 was Woody Hayes hotline to victory. Just incredible how timeless that is that he could be talking about, you know, a team today. It wasn't, you know, he, he had a very good understanding of the game and things that hold true today. So that's, that's one of mine. What is yours? I read that. Well, there were two by Bill Walsh and there were two by Bill Parcells. And they really impacted me at an important time of my life. I'd already been a head coach. I needed to get way better at what I was doing in that capacity. Those two books helped me immensely. And I became aware of deficiencies in my own job performance as a head coach. And those two books by those two guys, they, they, it's actually four books, two apiece, that, that reshaped my approach, you know, to, to how I went about coaching. Uh, and, uh, you know, so any, any beginning about books or, or, you know, those kinds of resources, I, I have to start with those two guys and those four books. I have both of Bill Walsh's books. And what's funny is, you know, the one is out of print. 
And if you went online, you could, you know, buy one and it'd be like three or $400 or more. And I, I had been able to pick a few of these up over time at, you know, for no more than 50 bucks and thought was, wow, I could, you know, make a little bit of money on this. I just haven't been able to let them go. I don't know why they're still sitting right here in front of me, all three right in a row, Bill Walsh finding the winning edge, but you know, just an incredible book. I'll have to pick up parcels now. That's not one I have. The details you can get, you know, from just sitting down and learning how someone thinks and it's, it's different. I, I still think you should have a library of coaching books. I know that a lot of guys, have all this digital stuff and videos, and I think those are good things. But, you know, as an example, when you could sit down and really study the, the mind of a Bill Walsh, what did he put on paper, that kind of stuff is invaluable. There's no question. I'm, I'm talking to you now in our spare bedroom, and I'm looking at a bookcase in this spare bedroom, and it's, it's a bookcase, and it's full of, of coaching books. Right outside the hall, in the hallway, uh, you know, on, on the second floor, there's another bookcase and it's loaded with nothing but books. And, you know, the one thing about growing old is I can reread some of them now because I might have forgotten some of the points that were made, you know, that I learned, you know, so long ago. But but I'm a huge believer in that. You know, I, I had tape libraries, DVD libraries, you know, any way that I could compile and have access to information. And this is again, before the internet, uh, and then we add what the internet can do for us, and there's no reason, you know, not to major in something minor in another and then become a double major and a triple, it, there's no reason for that not to happen. So, Coach, we kind of covered, you know, gaining the knowledge and doing those kinds of things, being the best you can at your job. What was the other, the next point, I should say, that you made to those young men? One is that, you know, whether you become a coordinator, you become a head coach, and, and these are maybe more specific points. Once that happens, and I feel this way and can never be talked out of it, you have to expect the most from your best players, and you cannot be afraid to coach your best players really hard. You know, we used to have a slogan, it was expect the most from the best. And then it wasn't just a slogan on the wall in the locker room or the weight room, but we explained that. You know, so whoever the, the most talented guy was in the room at that particular time, and, and maybe I knew who it was, maybe I didn't know it, that guy and those group of people needed to know that the expectations for them were going to be greater, you know, than, than anybody else. You know, the Bible taught us to, to whom much is given, much is expected. And, and so we're going to carry that, that thought, that concept over. And, and yet one of the things that I have seen and I've witnessed, I witnessed it with assistants who work for me, and I've witnessed it, you know, when I watch other people go about their business of coaching, is, is they pampered great players and were afraid to coach them hard. And, and I think that that's, that's a mistake, and, and I, would, I would hope to avoid young coaches making that mistake. If you've got a, a great player, then you need to coach his butt off, and you need to coach him hard, and you need to tell him that that's how it's going to be and that the expectations for him are, 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 are greater, you know, than they are, uh, you know, for maybe somebody with, with less ability. But that's, that's one of the things that I think is hugely important. Uh, another is that I, I think it's important for them to learn to delegate responsibility. I gave my guys coaching job description. If you were a linebacker coach, then this was your job description. And if you were, you know, the, the O-line coach, then this was your job description. And then I expected them to, to use that 
as a, a lesson plan for themselves, you know, that they would use then, you know, to coach their players and to, to prove their players, you know, at, at their position. But, but, but I think that you got to delegate responsibility and then you have to expect those guys to meet the responsibility. Uh, in the, the 27 or so years that I was the head coach, there was not one time during the course of a ball game when I made a suggestion to my defensive coordinator about what to do on defense. I trusted them, I trusted their preparation, and then I didn't just give them the responsibility and title, but I gave them responsibility you know, during the course of games. I don't think there was one time in my, my head coaching career when I ever went over and you know, tried to make a suggestion you know, about what they might do uh, when I'd spent all of my time preparing offensively for that opponent. So those are a couple of things. And then one other thing that I'll mention, and, and whether we expand upon this or not, that, that's up to you. Um, I collaborated with Bob Wiley, you know, who was most recently a coach for the Browns. He's going to coach in, in, in Canada this year. But I've been a friend of his for a long time since he was an assistant at high university and recruited some of my players. But we came up with a list of what we considered to be easy things. And, you know, th this, again, is a suggestion, you know, to anybody that's a position coach or a new head coach or a veteran coach, do the easy things well. You know, let, let's start there because there are a lot of things in, in the game that are easy. Stance is easy because you're totally in control of that. So, so let's make sure that we're in a good stance. And I've got 18 of these things listed, but, but these are things that, that as a young head coach, make sure your team and make sure your coaches are doing these things well. Alignment is totally within your control, both vertical and horizontal. It splits, you know, as an offensive lineman, that's, that's totally in control. Communication, and I, I won't read the whole list to you, but, you know, we can, we can get so caught up with X's and O's and with, you know, maybe the, the more difficult stuff that we overlook the easy stuff. And, and there are a whole bunch of easy things that if we just did these things, I think we could win a lot of games on these things alone. I've always been interested in the use of technology to make our jobs more effective. So I'm excited to continue sharing modern football technology with you here on the podcast. This innovative system leverages tendencies to improve self-scouting, game planning, and in-game decision-making at the speed of the game. Modern football stands out because it's a battle-tested platform used by teams at all levels, like four-time national champion Bishop Gorman, the five-time California state champion Folsom Bulldogs, six-time Texas state champion Lake Travis, Cal football, and the CFL's Grey Cup champions, the Montreal Alouettes. So book a demo today to see why these teams trust modern football technology. Visit www dot team dot com slash demo and mention coach and coordinator podcast or use the coupon code cc10 to receive 10 percent off your first year coach it, the the details are so important and you know i think over time i learned i, I don't think i understood this as a younger coach and you know i was fortunate I think to have some some really good coaches I worked with, head coaches along the way, coordinators who taught me the game. But, you know, if if you aren't coaching something, you can't expect it to happen. You know, I hear a, a lot of guys say, well, I, I told him to do that, you know, but, but did you actually practice it? Did you take him through all the steps? Did you show him the footwork? Did you put him in that situation? Like this game is so dynamic that, 
you know, of, of course we need all the details, but we have to make sure, you know, we're coaching all those things as well. No doubt. And uh, it, it reminds me of something that, that, that I shared with, you know, with that class when I spoke to them, you know, Abraham Lincoln said something about if he had six hours to cut a tree, he'd take the first four hours to sharpen his ax. And, and then I went on to explain that, you know, to, to, to the, that, that group of college athletes who thought that they wanted to coach. And, and then there's, there's a guy by the name of Sun Tzu who wrote Art of War. And he said, strategy without tactics is the slowest route to victory. And tactics without strategy is the noise before defeat. And, and so I played with that a little bit. And then I thought, well, if we apply this to football, then game planning without fundamentals is the slowest route to victory. And fundamentals without game planning is a noise before defeat. So there's two people who were well before my lifetime, you know, who were coaching football. They just didn't know it yet. But, but I, I, you know, that advice, that's the kind of thing, uh, you know, that I, that I think young coaches need to hear. And they, they need to appreciate basics and fundamentals, you know, because everything, everything comes from there. And, and, and we can never get so caught up that we neglect those things. I know you've been able to watch this firsthand as as your son has grown as a coach in the Patriots organization. You know, football is always played within context. And this is one of those things like you really related in, in those quotes you shared that those things, those two things have to work together, right? You can't have one without the other that, you know, you might find a whole bunch of cool drills on the Internet, but what are they for? How does it apply to your team? Uh, you have to think about the context of, of what you're running, what you're trying to do, what the objectives are for your team. Um, and, you know, again, this is, there's all kinds of details to it that you have to put your team through those situations. So there's a lot to, you know, so much information out there that you have to be smart about what you do with it and how it fits into your program, your offense, your defense, the position you coach. No question. One of the things that I became aware of over time, too, is that the sooner that we could get coaches and players to respect practice and game prep, as much as they did bench press totals and 40 times and picture day, as soon as we could get them to respect and appreciate practice and game prep as much as those things, then we were on, on the way to getting better. You know, because those other things, they matter, but but sometimes they matter more to, to players, you know, the bench press and the 40 time and picture day, everybody loves picture day, except coaches and especially the head coach. But I, I work real hard to, to get my guys to grasp that and understand that because, you know, that prep, you know, that, that prep during the week and, and how detailed we were, you know, without ever abandoning fundamentals and basics, you know, that was going to allow us, you know, mixed with whatever talent, that was going to contribute to a winning effort on game day more than anything else. Coach, as you, you know, wound up your, your talk with these guys, what were some of those last points that you really wanted to hit home with and have these guys thinking about? And really, this is for, I don't think just any young coach out there. I think we all need to revisit this at times and think about who we are professionally. But, you know, what, what were some of the things that you wanted to leave them with? I'll share three things. One, you know, hopefully you have prosperity as a coach and in your program. And we talk a lot about managing adversity, but I don't think we talk enough 
about managing prosperity. You know, that's your team's success, your players' success. Not all our players and not all our coaches are wired to, to manage prosperity at birth. You know, we, we have to learn how to do that. And I think we need to talk more with them about, about how you do that. And, and one of the ways that I think that I, I, I tried to get our guys to, to manage our prosperity well was, was to constantly remind them that the harder we work, the harder we work. Uh, the more we can do, the more we can do. And, and you know, I'm like a lot of guys. I didn't invent those slogans, but I borrowed them from somewhere, somebody somewhere along the line. And, you know, I, I think those things help us manage our prosperity. One of the other things that I did is I maintained a mistakes chart. And, you know, I listed every kind of mistake that we can make offensively or defensively or special teams. And we charted those things, you know, during the course of our film review and then and and then those things you know, you know became real and, and obvious sometimes in a 44 to 6 win we could have a tendency to overlook the mistakes that we made well i was not going to be that guy and we were going to we were going to manage our prosperity while we were winning by fixing the things that we were doing wrong while we were winning because if we didn't fix those things you know while we were winning they were going to cause us to lose at some point in time and, and the question that i always asked was you know was the performance that we just had good enough to beat the best team we have yet to play? And if the answer to that was no, no matter what the score was, well, then that, that sort of focused us on, on getting better. So I think it's important that we learn how to manage prosperity with our, our coaches and our kids. Manage things well that can't be changed. You know, that, that, you know if you put that on my gravestone, you know, I, I would be happy, you know, that he managed things well that couldn't be changed. There's a lot of things in coaching the game of football you know, that we can't change. And, you know, the obvious ones are weather, uh, you know, uh, officiating mistakes, uh, injuries to key players. You have to learn to manage those things and, and not fester about them and not, not spend too much time dealing with them because, you know, we got to live in the moment and we got to live in the future. But one is to manage things well that can't be changed. And I can't even list all of those things that, that might be in that category. And the last is to communicate, communicate, communicate. Never let your players wonder what you're thinking or what your expectations are for them, and never let them doubt that you care about them for more than what they can do as football players on the field. Those, those are two pretty powerful things there, Coach. With that idea, uh, never let them wonder. Could, could you give us some specific examples, I think, that, that illustrate that point that you don't want your players to wonder about things? And I think that's, that's both the good and the bad. Well, I think you have to demonstrate interest in them you know, beyond their ability to carry the football or to make tackles or, or, or to make kicks or you know, play the game of football. They need to know that you, you genuinely care about you know, how they're performing academically. You've got to monitor that. You know, we, did, we did periodic grade checks in the offseason, and, and they were given a grade sheet. They had to have the teacher sign it, report, you know, the current grade and, and make a comment if that was necessary. And they didn't get in the weight room if they didn't give me that on the day that it was due. And, you know, that was punishment to not get to, in the weight room, you know, to lift with their teammates. But it had nothing to do with the weight room. It had everything to do with you being responsible and me caring about, you know, you academically. We tried to, you know, stay on top of of, of our kids relative to their family situation. You know, I coached in two city circumstances, Warren and, and Canton. And, you know, if, if kids needed help, we wanted to be available. 
to help them. We wanted to, to, to be kept abreast of current circumstances. If we knew something was going on in their lives away from the field, and, and that had to be genuine and that had to be real because kids can see through a phony in a heartbeat. And, and so that, that had to be genuine, that, that, that couldn't be pretended. But, you know, those are, those are the, the ways. I, I, think, I think we had to explain that when we coach you hard, you know, that's not a bad thing. You know, they don't always understand that. Not all kids take criticism well, you know, not all adults do, but we, we needed to explain to them that that was for their betterment and for the betterment of the team. So, so those are just a couple of things that I think that, that, that were important to communicate so, so that they knew that we cared about them above and beyond what they for, you could do for us on game day on the field. Last question I have for you. Kind of, I ask all coaches this one. I probably asked it to you before, and it's designed off of one of your favorite books, Finding the Winning Edge. So for, for coaches out there, especially those younger coaches who are, are looking to climb the ladder to become a head coach someday, you know, what, what is the one thing you'd really point to that would help them find the winning edge in accomplishing that? One of the things that I, I think is important is that while you're, while you're trying to climb the ladder of success, you know, as a coach in our profession, you, you got to be careful not to knock guys off the ladder, you know, while you're trying to move up. Um, I think you have to be, you know, be considerate of people, be ambitious, uh, be aggressive, but, but you also have to have an awareness of, of other people who might be trying to do the same thing that you are. Uh, one of the things that, that I know we, 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 we told our players is, is uh, convince us as coaches to play you and, and convince and make it obvious to everyone why you're in the number one huddle. I, I, would, I would say that to assistant coaches who aspire to be coordinators or head coaches. You need to make it obvious to everybody on the staff, you know, that, that, that you are a great position coach. You need to make it obvious to everybody on the staff why you were promoted or why you were given more responsibility, you know, that, that shouldn't be, you know, that should be obvious to everybody because of how you go about your business, you know, and, and, and continue to be loyal to continue to, you know, not, that isn't just to the head coach and the program, that's to the assistants that you're coaching with. And, you know, they're in the other room when you're on one side of the ball and they're the other side of the ball. So I think those are things that, that relative to relationships with people, because it always comes down to that too. I think we got to be keenly aware of other people's situations and, and we have to be considerate of their side of the relationship that you have with them, whether it's a player or whether it's an assistant coach. Coach, I certainly appreciate you spending time with us again. And for coaches out there, follow him on Twitter. His Twitter handle is at Thomas underscore TMCDWGH. Uh, Coach is pretty active out there on Twitter. I, I follow him and communicate with him there at times. But, Coach, I really appreciate you taking the time and all you've done for our profession, especially here in Ohio. And as I told you the first time, anytime you want to come back and talk ball, you are certainly welcome to. Well, thank you very much. You made my day today. <laughs>